Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? Well, how did you do on the fast? You do all right? Okay, good. Uh, how many of you went one day? You did something. You did something. Let me see your hand. Just, okay. How many did three days? You did, you did three. All right, great. How many did five? Oh, good. How many did seven? Check you out. That's awesome. Aren't you glad it's Sunday? You're like, I know what you're praying. Your number one prayer was, Lord, please let him be short-winded this morning. God, please don't speak a long message to him. I don't know. We'll just have to see. No promises. Thank all of you for whether you fasted three Dr. Peppers and some chips or whether you went the whole seven days, God sees. And he honors us according to our level of sacrifice. And I thank you. I thank each and every one of you for doing it. None of us like to go on the fast. None of us enjoy the fast. We're probably going to thump Daniel on the head when we see him in heaven, right? He's going to go, what's that for? Because <laughs> you put that fast in the Bible and pastor asked us to go on it. But we are going to see and reap the results in the weeks and the months ahead. And for that, it's going to be awesome what we're going to see in our families, in our neighborhoods. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go to the book of Romans. It's great to have all of you in here this morning. My wife, it's good to see my wife in here. I know y'all probably don't think I have a wife on Sundays, but I do. I have a wife on Sunday. She's just upstairs taking care of our kids and our grandkids. And to Sister Janet and all of your team on Sunday school, we honor what you do. And we appreciate it from our hearts. Thank you. But it is good to have all of our teachers and all of our all of our friends and guests. We know that it's difficult to go to a place you're not used to, people you don't really know. But to our guests, thank you for being here. And to those of you watching online, we welcome you. We're going to go to Book of Romans, Chapter 8. I told you that if I had a theme this year, it would be walking in the Spirit. And that's probably what I'm going to speak on this morning. I was able to watch online where the Ashcraft did a phenomenal job Wednesday night. Just a great, love his teaching. He's so down to earth and so smooth in his delivery. I really have enjoyed it. He's going to be back with us again Wednesday night. So you're not going to want to miss it. He is a God called teacher. Yes, he is. And he's blessing this church right now. And we're going to keep him. Amen. For just a minute. Romans chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 5 again because I've been doing a major study in the ESV it's uh, where I've been I'm going to read from the ESV and if you're ready say amen for those who live according to the flesh do what they set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit what do they do they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay? This is very important. I'm going to keep repeating myself. Not because I have dementia. Not because I don't have new things to say. Okay? But because you have to hear it more than once to get it. You have to hear it more than once to get it. Most of the battles in your life are mind battles. And if you can win in your mind, you can win in life. You're either going to walk in the flesh or you're going to walk in the spirit. And you know what makes the determining factor? Not God, not your family, your mind. What you keep your mind on, what you set your mind on is going to determine whether I'm going to walk in my flesh or I'm going to walk in the spirit. Can I get a witness? Look at verse 6. For to set the mind, for to set your mind on the flesh. What does that mean? When we say walking in the flesh, what does that mean? We all walk in the flesh, okay? That's not what it's referring to. I'm walking in the flesh right now. 
Walking in the flesh means following after your sinful, fallen nature. I'm going to say that again. Walking in the flesh means that I am walking in my fallen, sinful nature. You get that? Does that make sense? What do you mean by that? It means that I am I am walking after the lust of my eye, after the lust of my flesh, after the pride of my life. I am walking based on what I can see, taste, touch, hear, and feel. I'm not worried about the spirit. I'm only worried about what I can taste or touch or feel. That's walking in the flesh. Did you get it? Okay. Go back to verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Now, if you walk in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, what's it going to lead you to? Death. I didn't say that. The Word says it. But if you have your mind set, if you set your mind, say, I got to set my mind. Come on, talk to me this morning. I got to set my mind. I'm going to either set it on the things of the flesh or I'm going to set it on the things of the Spirit. Right? But if I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, then what do I get? I get life. And I get peace. I keep saying it. Money can buy me a pill, but it can't buy me peace. Only the Spirit can give you peace. Only the Spirit can give you life. And you have to decide, and I have to decide, what do I want? Do I want death in my life, or do I want life and peace? Here's verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Do you understand that if you're living your life for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, that's hostile to God. In other words, God doesn't like it. For it does not. Why doesn't God like it? Because it doesn't submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Verse 8. For those who are in the flesh cannot talk to me. Cannot please God. If you're walking in the lust of your eye, your lust of your flesh, the pride of your life, you can't please God. Verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Why do I need the spirit? It's just like a toaster that's not plugged in. It doesn't work. If you don't have the Spirit, you're, going to, you're doomed to walk in your flesh. You don't have an option. So he's saying, here it is. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, simply what? Doesn't belong to God. Why? Because you can't please God in your flesh. That makes sense, doesn't it? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for... Literally, some of the greatest, sweetest people walking the planet are in this room right now, and I thank you. Thank you for the great privilege that Janet and I and Molly, Lord, have of being, Lord, pastor of this great church. I ask you for the next few minutes, would you strengthen me, Lord, and help me to speak it out of my spirit, the way that I feel it in my spirit, and Lord, that it would edify your, your church and and encourage the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You got a, a few minutes for me? All right. Here we go. When we say walking in the spirit. That sounds so mystical doesn't it? Walking in the spirit. Sounds so mystical. And for those of us who have been around a long time. Let me see your hand if you've been a Christian for 40 years. Let me see your hand. Raise it up high. 40 years. Okay. How many has been around 30 years? Let me see your hand. 30 years you've been a Christian. Okay. For, for those of us who have been around 30, 40, 20 years, when we say walking in the Spirit, I'm speaking to those who are older. I'm not necessarily speaking to a lot of you newer ones. But for us older ones, when I say walking in the Spirit, what we have a vision of is somebody that prays a lot, Someone that sees dreams, someone that sees visions, uh, you know, someone that gets a mean look in their eye and says, I got a word of the Lord for you. Like you don't want to look him in the eye because you're afraid. That's what it means to us who grew up in the Pentecostal way of walking in the spirit. It means somebody who is used 
in a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or gifts of healing or gifts of miracles. And all of that is wonderful, right? I revere that. I grew up under a prophet. I grew up under a man of God who walked in the spirit. But my attempt today is to do my best to explain the practical side of what it means to walk in the spirit. You might ask the question, Pastor, why is it even important that we walk in the spirit? Why is that important? Why should I take my time to hear what you have to say? So let me answer it like this. Do you understand that you are the object of God's love? How many get that? You are the object of God's love. And God sees you as sons and daughters. He doesn't see you as slaves. Can I get a witness? And so when we're walking in the flesh, in the biblical sense, I'm repeating myself, but it means that we are walking in our fallen nature. We are following our sinful desires. See, God doesn't want us as sons and daughters following our sinful desires. Why? Because when we do, we just become a culture of consumers. And what that means is it's never enough. We always want a little bit more. She's better looking, or he's better looking, or this is nicer car, or this is nicer over here, or I need this. And what happens is, is when we are, when we are living in our flesh, we are always trying to reach for more to satisfy us. Does that make sense? See, enough is never enough because we always want more. And just as we don't like to see our family or our friends. I've seen people drunk before, not in my personal family, but I've seen people drunk and uh, I've seen them literally just make a fool of their self. Anybody ever seen that? It's difficult to watch, especially if it's a family member, right? And, and, and God, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that God doesn't want to see his sons and his daughters in the gutter. It's not a pretty sight for him. It's not a pretty sight for us. God doesn't want his sons and his daughters in a hog trough. Can I get a witness? Sons do not belong in pig pens. Sons and daughters belong in feasts and in banquets, and in the Father's house. They belong in the goodness of God. I want to preach this morning if my voice will let me. I want to remind you that as uh, kings and sons, that's how God sees you. He doesn't see you as a slave. He doesn't see you as a servant. He didn't design you for decrease. God designed you for increase. And that's why we got to have a mindset. I got to get my mindset off of the things of the flesh. Because Matthew 6 and 33 says, if I will seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added unto me. If I get my priorities right, if I seek first the spiritual things, then God will make sure the natural things are added to me. But if I seek first the natural things, then I'm always lusting for more and I'm walking in my flesh. And God is like, oh, don't do that. Because if you would do it my way, if you would seek me first, then I would add all of these other things that I know you have need of. Can I get a witness? It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's not, brothers and sisters, that as sons and daughters, we're too good to feed a pig. It's just simply God doesn't want us living in the pen. I'm not too good to do anything. I'll sweep the floors around here. As a son, I'll sweep the floors. As a king, I'll sweep the floors. I've done it many times. I've unclogged that toilet back there more times than I can count. And I'll continue to do it because I'm not too good to do that. 
That's not what I am referring to. I'm not referring to is when you're a king, you put your nose up and you're such a snob, you can't say hello to anyone. What I am saying is it's a mindset that when you get the mindset that God sees me as a king, he sees me as a son. He doesn't want me walking according to my flesh because it takes me to the gutter. Right? See, uh, the spirit is what lifts us up. I've already been lifted up this morning because I felt the spirit. I've been in the spirit, right? This is what Isaiah said. He says this, they shall mount up. What they're going to mount up as, as wings of eagles. What does that mean? It means God wants you to soar. There's a no saying, how can I, how can I soar with the eagles when I'm walking with the turkeys? Right? But we're not a bunch of turkeys. God sees us as a bunch of eagles. He sees us soaring. He wants us to mount up. What does the flesh do? The flesh takes you down. What does the spirit do? It lifts you up. It lifts you up. Where does God want you? He wants you to be lifted up. When you come into the house of the Lord, it ought to lift you up. Church ought to not be a drudgery or a duty. It ought to be a delight. Why? Because when I come into the presence of God, it lifts me up. Right? Does that make sense? I'm talking this morning about walking in the Spirit. See, when we live by our desires, you know what it does? It shackles us. It reduces us. It limits us. When we're walking in the Spirit, brothers and sisters, it's not mystical. This is what I want to do today. I need a few minutes. It's not mystical. Walking in the Spirit is a mindset. I set my mind on the things of the Spirit. And when we keep our mind set on the things of the Spirit, what does that look like? It means that we're thinking about the things of faith. We're thinking about creative thoughts. We're calling those things that are not as though they already were. That's what faith does. I don't see it yet, but I believe. I don't have it yet, but His Word says I can. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know he's going to lead me beside the still waters and he's going to restore my soul. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know God works on his own timetable and not on my calendar. So I trust his character. Can I get a witness? And so that's what we keep our minds set on. We keep our minds set on the things of the spirit that are elevated above the flesh, such as imagination, creativity, faith, hope. Joy, peace, grace, forgiveness, love, and others. You may say, well, pastor, there is no way in the world that I can keep my mind on that all the time. All right, let's take a poll. If that's how you feel, how many of you have ever worried? Let me see your hand. You have ever worried in your life one time. The Probably the only person that had never worried that I truly believe had never worried in here is Jared Deal. Jared Deal does not worry. Outside of Jared Deal, probably everybody in this house worries. Have you, have you ever worried? Uh-huh. Guess what worry is? Worry is simply meditating on the wrong things. There you have it. Worry, that's all it is, is meditating on the wrong thing. So you say, Pastor, I don't know how to meditate. Let me make it real simple for you. Meditation is just worry in reverse, but meditation is on good things instead of negative things. So here it is. This is for all of us. If you can worry, you can meditate. All right? Does that make sense? What what, do I meditate on? you got to change your mindset. Right? you got to change your mindset. Instead of worrying, how is this going to work out? We meditate on God can make a way where there seems to be no way. That's what we meditate on, right? Mm -hmm. Then instead of worrying about family problems, we meditate on forgiveness. God, I'm not going to allow an offense to keep me from my destiny. I've come too far to allow unforgiveness to get into my heart and me to get resentful at someone and be lost over something foolish. 
Listen to me, sweet people. There is no one or nothing worth being lost over. So guess what? I'm not going to meditate on they did me wrong. They did me bad. They betrayed me. You know what I'm going to meditate on? God, your forgiveness. Work your forgiveness. Help me to take that back to the cross. Help me to release them of this offense so that I don't abort my destiny. Oh, I'm so worried, Pastor, about my finances. Well, that's your choice. You can worry on that or you can worship. You can worry or worship, right? You can either decide to worry on how's it going to happen, when am I going to get this next paycheck, how am I going to get the finances, or you can meditate on this. My God shall supply my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You say, I can't meditate. If you can worry, you can meditate. Yes, you can. You say, well, how do I do that? Listen, you got to memorize scripture so you can do that. When the devil come to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, hey, let me get out my Old Testament so I can get some word on you. He had the word in him because he was the word. You know, when you need it, you need it when you need it. You don't always know when you're going to need it. That's why you got to hide the word in your heart. You got to hide it so that when the enemy comes in and tells you, you can't do that. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not good looking enough. Then you quote the word that says, guess what? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Devil, you're a liar. I can. And I go down the road saying, I can, devil. I can, devil. And guess what? You keep saying it until it gets from your head to your heart and when it goes from your head to your heart you grab a hold of it and then you get faith and then faith says I can see myself doing that that's how you live in the spirit makes sense doesn't it but it's hard to quote scripture if you're staying in Facebook all day I'm not against Facebook I'm for the book Get in the book. I'm not against TV, but six hours of TV is not going to edify you. As the world turns, it's not going to edify you. Right? The young and the pitiful aren't either. None of that's going to edify you. Hey, throw up Joshua 1 and 18, please. This is the New Living Translation. Love this. Study this book of instruction continually. Kiddos, you getting it? Continually. Why? So that when I need it, I got it. Right? Meditate on it every couple of days. Come on, talk to me. Day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Only then. There's only a couple of times in the whole scripture where the word success is mentioned. Here it is. Here's one of them. And only then do what? Will you prosper and succeed in all you do? Why? Because I'm not walking in my flesh. I'm not walking in a mindset of always trying to get more. I'm walking in the mindset of faith and unity and love and peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. I'm not meditating on what I don't have. I'm not meditating on who I'm not. See, that's where depression leads, is you start meditating on who you're not. You're not enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not pretty enough. You don't have enough money. And that leads you down. Why? Because the flesh always leads you down. And the spirit always lifts you up. But guess what? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right? But that's why I'm trying to come alongside you this morning. The walking in the spirit is not mystical. It's not. It's not walking around. It's not walking around looking people in the eye like, oh, I see what you're doing. Mm -mm, that's not it. It's not walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is a mindset on the things of the spirit. Does that help anybody? Hey, here's, here's another key to walking in the spirit. You ask yourself, who controls my mind? 
Does the media control my mind? Brothers and sisters, if you're feeding yourself media, all you're feeding yourself is fear. I'm going to tell you something. You, you barely even walk out the door if that's all you're feeding your mind. Because fear is everywhere. You have to decide, am I going to walk in my flesh, which is fear-based, or am I going to walk in the spirit, which is faith-based? Fear limits you, and faith causes you to leap. What do I want to do? Do I want to stay in this boat? See, listen, it's not, brothers and sisters, the boat goes through the water all the time, right? It's not about what is around the boat. What causes the boat to sink is what gets in the boat. You can't let what is around you get what is on the inside of you. Because if you allow the news and the media and the negativity that you see to get on the inside of you, then you start going down. Oh, my God, everybody's doing bad. Oh, my God, nobody's living for God. God said, Elijah, get up off of that. I got 7,000 people who never bowed their knee to Baal. Quit looking at yourself, boy. Come on. I'm a God who never fails. You got to keep your mind on the things of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Does this make sense? So remember this, brothers and sisters. Your body does not go where your mind's not already been. I'm going to say it again. Your body doesn't go where your mind's not already been. What do you mean? After you think about wanting to drink long enough, guess what? You're going to find yourself drinking. After thinking about, whoa, some weed sure would be good. Uh-huh. It ain't going to be long. You're going to be past the doobie on the left-hand side. Uh-huh. Where'd you learn that, Pastor, from the Hope House? They taught me. I didn't know any of this till we had Hope House. But I've had one-on-ones with them. I learned, boy, I've learned some stuff, man. I, I never knew, but, yeah, I got some education. Mm-hmm. I love the Hope House. Not that I've ever done drugs with them. I hadn't, but I, I love them. <laughs> See, but you know why they were doing drugs? You know why? Because they're looking for something to satisfy. They're trying to get out of the pain, the anguish, the anxiety that only the Spirit can lift you up. And so, so what happens if we can't find it one way through the spirit, we find it another way through the flesh. Because all we're all trying to do is run from pain and run to pleasure. Here's what the Bible says. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. That's why you need to be in the house of the Lord. That's why you need to feel what you felt this morning. Because in his presence is where you get joy. I don't need a joy. Hear me, I don't need a joint to lift me up. I need the presence of the Lord, which is that joy to lift me up. I know that my God is going to come through. I know he's the God of more than enough. Come on, somebody praise him right now. That makes sense? See, when we're walking in the Spirit... You know what we're doing when we're walking in the Spirit? We're producing the fruit of the Spirit. Why does God want me to walk in the Spirit? Because He doesn't want your life to be nothing. Yeah. He wants your life to produce. What does He want my life to produce? The fruit of the Spirit. Well, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Look at Galatians. It's going to come up for you. Galatians 4. Here's the fruit of the Spirit, right? But it's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. It's self-control. Do you realize that a fruit tree does not bear fruit for itself? (laughs) I know this is so silly to say this, but it gives you a mental picture. Have you ever gone out... Have you, brother, brother Yellett has Satsuma trees. Brother Yellett, in your, all of your years, have you ever seen the branches taking their own fruit and going, hmm, that's your good. <laughs> Boy, it's awesome. Look what I produced. Woo-hoo. That's so silly. Right? But that's what the flesh wants. Things that we can consume. But when we are walking in the spirit, we are, con- we are producing things for others. A fruit tree does not bear fruit for itself. 
Guess what? When you love somebody, you're being a blessing to them. And when they love you, they're being a blessing to you. You are not, brothers and sisters, do you understand? Oh, I got so much to say. Do you understand that the Ten Commandments, the first four, are about God and the other six are about man? But it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship to God and to others. Do you understand that when you walk in the Spirit, it's all about others? It's all about others. What do you mean? I am producing. God wants my life to produce so that I'm a blessing to others. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, why does love appear first? Because it's the highest dimension, right? The greatest force in the world is love. And then joy. We have joy. Joy in knowing that we're fulfilling God's purpose and his will in our life. Then we have peace. Peace in our relationships with God. Peace in our relationships with others. Why do we need, Pastor, to walk in the Spirit? So that we can bear fruit. See, God didn't make you out of gold. He didn't make you out of silver. He made you out of dirt. Why? So that you can produce a harvest. Gold can't produce and silver can't, but the soil can. And guess what? You are the soil and the Holy Spirit is the seed. The seed cannot produce by itself and neither can the soil. But if you get the soil together and the seed, now you start producing a harvest. This is why God needs you and you need him. You say, God don't need me. In a sense, no. But in another sense, without God, you can't. And without us, he won't. So in other words, we need both. He's the seed and we're the soil. And when the seed and the soil get together, there is a harvest. And what God wants is God wants you to have a harvest, not of fleshly things because they don't satisfy. He wants you to have a harvest of spiritual things that can touch your very being. Did that just make sense? Can I keep going? Okay. So when you, you, you say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm walking in the, in, in the spirit? Well, if you're walking in the spirit, you're producing love. If you're walking in the spirit, you're, there's joy in your life. This is, this is one of the biggest concerns that I have in the church is because I don't see a lot of joy in the church. And that saddens me. You look at a Christian, how you, well. This brother right here. Um, tell me your name. Tony, I'm so sorry. I know it. Brother Tony, y'all, I'll be here on Fridays. I'll still be here 5 30, 6 o'clock, and I'll hear Brother Tony come in. He's, I love the Lord. I love. Am I telling the truth? He is singing, my. I'm in my office, and I'm like, dude, he ain't got the greatest voice, but he's lifting up a joyful noise to the Lord. He knows it. I ain't telling something he don't know. The Bible didn't say sing a beautiful song. It said make a joyful noise. You know, come on. Some of us just aren't that good singers. We're prison singers. We're always behind a few bars and off the key. Right? Yeah, but that's okay. When Brother Tony comes in, he's singing, isn't he? What does that mean? Sing a new song unto the Lord. There's some joy in his heart. You get other Christians and man, you're trying to get away. What do you mean? Because there ain't a lot of joy there. They start talking about people. Start gossiping. Start bringing people down. I don't want to live in that environment. Come on, I don't want to live in that. I want to live in the joy of the Lord. The peace of God. I want to walk in the Spirit. Now i got to share this with you and then we'll go. Walking in the Spirit means that I am producing the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means that I understand myself as a king and a priest, not as a slave. Here's the next thing. Walking in the Spirit means we have gifts. Okay? 1 Corinthians, this is very important. If you hadn't paid attention... 
Come on, wake up. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. Here's what it says. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Say, that's me. See, we, we, we thought that walking in the Spirit meant... And only certain ones that, you know... Don't get too close to them because they're pretty spiritual. They don't really want you touching them. That's what we, as who's been around for 30, 40 years, that's what we were raised up under. It was mystical. It was magical. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't reach it or attain it. Only certain ones was able to walk in the Spirit. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm sorry. That's not what it means. When you're walking in the Spirit, you're producing the fruit of the Spirit. And when you're walking in the Spirit, guess what the manifestation of the Spirit is? It is a gift. And guess what? The manifestation, y'all got to get this, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to... There you go. Each one. Not just the pastor, not just the prophet. Each one. For what? The prophet of what? Y'all stay with me. For the prophet of what? For the prophet of all. Why? Because one person can't profit everybody. Come on, somebody. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. This is verse 8. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But verse 11. But one and the same Spirit worketh all these things, distributing to each one individually as he, who's he? God will. Walking in the Spirit, brothers and sisters, doesn't mean that pastor stays in a prayer position for eight hours. I can't. I can't stay in a prayer position for eight hours. Oh, there's some days that I can, right? But I've got, I've got other things to do just like you. I can't read the word every day for eight hours a day, sleep eight hours, take care of our house, take care of our family, take care of the needs of this church, go and visit people. I can't do all of that. So it can't be talking about that. What is it talking about? Pray without ceasing. You know what? When my mind is, when, when I'm not being activated. In other words, sometimes you got to use your mind just to do what you got to do, right? But in, in the stillness of your mind, then I just go back into that spirit. Start thinking about the things of the Lord. That's walking in the spirit. Okay? Right? Now, when I'm counseling somebody, I can't be counseling somebody and praying at the same time. But when I'm done, then go back to the spirit. That's walking in the spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, this is very important. So walking in the Spirit means I'm bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit means I have gifts on the inside of me. Now, I know this is very hard for you to wrap your mind around, but here's the truth. You are carrying someone's miracle on the inside of you. I looked it up, brothers and sisters. I wanted to know how many miracles did Jesus produce? I knew this answer. It was 37. But I, what I didn't ever study is how many miracles did Jesus do in the synagogue of those 37? I looked it up. Guess what? He did one. One. One miracle out of the 37. And guess where he did it? He did it in the synagogue, which means that the other 36, he did it outside of church. I'm sorry, this is a long one. I know you're hungry and I am too, but I got to go. A rooster's got to crow and a preacher's got to preach. What are you saying, pastor? What I'm saying is, is God didn't wait to go to church to meet needs. He didn't. Why? Because he was walking in the spirit. So he come up on the lepers and he knew they're lepers. They need to be healed. So he healed them. And he come up on the blind man and he knew the blind man, Bartimaeus, cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He didn't say, well, hey, show up at Sunday at 10 and I'll take care of it. He did not do that. See, that's how we live. We try to pack all of the spirit in one hour on Sunday. 
Brothers and sisters, I know this is hard to wrap your mind around, but I want to do my best to come alongside you and try to start changing a mindset. You know what Sunday ought to be? Sunday ought to be a time when we come back and we talk about what God did for us during the week. I was at the store and I felt the Holy Spirit. We ought to be saying things like this. I was at the store and I felt the Holy Spirit just impress me. I need to go pray for this lady. So I just walked right up to her. I didn't shimmy and shake and fall out and make a fool of myself. I just walked right up and said, you know what? I just feel like I need to pray for you. Is that all right? I've had very few people, if any, ever refuse me on prayer. Sure, I don't mind. And all of a sudden, God gave me a word of wisdom for that person. And she's like, oh, my God. I can't believe this. This is exactly what I needed. That is walking in the spirit. And guess what? It didn't happen on a Sunday at 10. It may have happened Saturday at 9 at Brookshire's. That's walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is not. Mm -mm. No, I know that's how we were taught. That is not it. Walking in the spirit means you are carrying somebody's miracle on the inside of you. And it's a gift. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. What if this past Christmas, all the kids in America did not get gifts? We would have a bunch of unhappy kids. Do you understand that a gift is only a blessing when it's given away? What if your aunt, your aunt, my, my, my aunt's Trish, so let's just use her. My aunt Trish normally gives me money every Christmas, right? $100, whatever, okay? And my aunt Trish calls and says, Wayne, you know, I know I'm two months late on your Christmas gift, but it's still in the card, and I'll get it to you. You know what I'm thinking? That card don't need that hundred bucks. I need it. It ain't doing that card any good. It's sitting there dormant. That hundred bucks does not do that card any good. It's going to do me some good because I'm going to take it and go to Papa's with it. And I'm going to enjoy me a meal. What are you saying? I'm saying that a gift is not a blessing until it's given away. That's what I'm saying. And until you understand the importance of walking in the spirit, you're going to discount yourself. Okay, I got to say this and then I'm going to try to wrap this up. All of this stuff that we Christians say, I'm not that important. You know, nobody's going to miss me. I'm really nothing. And I don't have anything to give. Let me tell you, sweet people, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I say this in love. That's a cop out. You don't understand how important you are and you don't understand what walking in the spirit means because I'm going to tell you something. I've had somebody give me an encouraging word when I needed it and it was like apples of gold and pictures of silver and I needed that at that moment and it lifted me and it sustained, it sustained me through a hard time. And you know what? If I just say, well, I'm not that important and it don't matter if I walk in the spirit or not, nobody's going to ever miss it. You know what? What if gifts were not given at Christmas this past year? There's a lot of people that would have missed it. There's a lot of joy, a lot of joy that would have been missed out because we didn't give the gift. Think about the wise men if they would not have given the gifts to Mary and Joseph. Do you understand gold, frankincense, and myrrh were extremely valuable? They probably took that money to help raise Jesus. What if they wouldn't have given? Oh, the wise men said, well, my gift's not that much, so I am, you know, <laughs> it ain't that much, so who am I? And that's how we operate, because we don't see ourselves as sons. We don't see ourselves as kings. We don't see ourselves the way God sees us. It's a mindset. You, we got to get our mindset on expansion. Because the spirit is always expanding. How do you know? Because he said this, of my kingdom, there will never be an end. He's just going to keep revealing himself and revealing himself. The flesh, it makes you want to gravel in the dust. It takes you to the gutter. But the spirit, it lifts you up. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you for your time. Pastor, why do we want to walk in the Spirit? 
Because brothers and sisters, here's what we all know. If you don't walk in the spirit, you're going to constantly be lusting for a bigger house, a bigger car. This woman, this man, I need these curves. I need these muscles. I need this and I need that. Because you're always living in the lust of your flesh. I need another handbag. I need another pair of shoes. need another dress. I'm not against any of that. Have all the handbags you want, all the dresses and purses. Have the biggest truck in Texas or De Quincey. It doesn't matter to me. I'm serious. I want you blessed. But what I want you to understand is no matter how much you get, you're going to always want more because that's the flesh. But the spirit is life, is peace. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't misconstrue me. I love this church. I'm content with this church, but I'm not satisfied where we are. Does it mean that when I walk in the spirit, I just say, well, it don't matter. I'm not going to have a desire for anything or do anything. I'm going to just walk in the spirit. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying walking in the spirit is keeping my mind on the things that cause me to soar. Make sense? Okay. Why do I want to walk in the Spirit? So you can soar. Why do I want to walk in the Spirit, Pastor? So you can bear fruit. Why do I want to walk in the Spirit? So you can give your gift away. So you can give your gift away. Every one of you have got a gift. You say, well, uh, I don't know about that. Yes. Guess what? When you the soil... And the seed came together and you were born again. You got the fruit of the spirit and you got the gifts of the spirit. They may not be mature, but you know what? You have a muscle. I have a muscle. It's not very mature because I don't work it out. But if you worked it out, it would mature and it would grow. You have a gift. You have fruits. Guess what God wants you doing? Walking giving your fruit away, giving your gift away, being a blessing, because a blessing isn't a blessing until it's given. That's walking in the Spirit. Amen. We're going to break our fast with communion. If you would now, look at the back of your pew and get your communion cup out. Brother Sam, this elder in this church, is going to serve those on the front row Thank you for fasting. Thank you for your level of sacrifice. Thank you for praying for me this week. Why, Pastor, do you want us? Why does God want us? Not me. Why does God want us walking in the Spirit? So you walk as kings and not slaves. So that you can fulfill what God wants you to do upon the earth. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Take your cup now, if you would, and peel that first layer. If you will, peel that little top piece back so that your cup is open. And as you're doing that, the Lord came, brothers and sisters, not only to free us from sin, but guess what? He came to free us from ourself. I'm going to say that again. He didn't just come to free us from sin. 
He come to free us from ourselves so that we don't walk in the flesh, but we walk in the spirit. And guess what? That couldn't be achieved through brute force. If it could, God would have conquered the Romans, but it couldn't. The way that it could be achieved is through service and through sacrifice and through giving of himself. And the reason, brothers and sisters, that we have freedom from sin and freedom from self is because Jesus humbled himself as God and became the greatest servant in the world. How did he serve us? Through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, through offering himself for us. So guess what? There are no feet too dirty for God to wash. Why? Because he understood the way to liberate you is not through force. The way to liberate you is to serve you. And he served his body for us. He gave his body as a gift for us. There's no one too sick that God can't heal. There's no one going too far that God can't save. I'm going to say it like this. There's no soul too dark that God can't bring his light to. Hallelujah. So let us remind. Let's remind ourselves what the Lord did for us. And we don't take this lightly. But Christ, his blood was drained from his body so that we could have the forgiveness of sins and his back was beaten so that we could have healing for ours. His mind was tormented with thorns so that we could have peace. He did it all for us. Isn't that great? Father, we thank you for the finished work of Calvary. Lord, none of us would even be here this morning had it not been for you. You're the great connector. You're the one who brings us all together. Lord, thank you for the relationships that we have because of you. Thank you for the life, the joy, the peace, healing, the financial blessings, everything that you did for us, Lord, this past year. The, the men and women that were baptized in this tank, thank you. And now, God, as we look forward to 2022, our minds are not going to be focused on fear Minds are going to be focused on faith. God, you're going to help us and we're going to walk in the spirit. And we thank you for the finished work of Calvary to help us to do it so that we can abide in you and you in us, that we may bear much fruit. And everybody say amen. If you would now take the little wafer that is a type of his body. This is his body that was broken. This is the meal that heals. Now this is a type of his blood. Now take the juice and drink it. Now thank him right now for the finished work. Thank him. Come on, every believer, thank him right now. In the name of Jesus, you said it, Lord, and I believe. We're going to walk into 2020, God, believing for greater things. We're going to walk into 2020 believing, God, that the gifts you have given the body, we're going to minister to one another, Lord, with a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, with encouragement, with meals that are being made, with visits, Lord, to the sick. God, whatever gift, Lord, it is that you have given us, we're going to start exercising it for the use of the body of Christ. We're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, not for ourselves, but for the body of Christ. Hallelujah! Come on and sing it.
that God has given to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we will be forever. 